Well, very Merry Christmas to you all, if it's coming soon, if I don't see before then. Um, I've just been asked to share something this morning. This is an invitational morning, as Jeff has said, so you're all very welcome. Um, just, just to reflect a bit on Christmas as it comes next week. So on 12th of September, 1940, a young man called Marcel Rabidat was walking his dog, Robot. There had been some, some trees knocked over by a storm, and they were lying flat on the ground, so Robot, Robot the dog was sniffing around the bottom of one of them. Marcel went closer to inspect what his furry friend was up to, and he noticed a hole in the ground. He looked into it, there was an entrance to a tunnel. Quite amazed, he ran and told his friends, so the three of them, sorry, his friend and, he and his three friends, Jacques, Georges, and Simon, all, you might know where this is happening, um, all went back to the tree, and initially nervous, they went into, the, into this little hole, one by one, with, a, with just a single oil lamp, thinking it might be a passageway to a secret manor or a lair somewhere. Little did they know what they had just stumbled upon. T to their astonishment and amazement, they found themselves in an underground cave, the walls covered with prehistoric paintings of animals. They had just discovered what is now famously known as the Lascaux Caves. There's a photo up there, Louise. The boys were astounded and went to get a local historian to come down with them. Once down in the cave, the five pairs of eyes looked up at art that had been hidden for over 1,700 years. 17,000 years, sorry. So almost 20,000 years of hidden art that, that no one else had seen, and these boys discovered it. A discovery of this magnitude led to archaeologists and tourists diving down in, 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 in the cave. You can see the lights there were built there at some point, and a pathway was made as well. The site was, was, de was declared a UNESCO heritage site in 1979, and at its peak, 1,200 people went to visit it per day. It serves as a prime example of prehistoric art until it had to be closed due to damage from the breathing and the carbon dioxide that came out of the out of folks who went down. It was so busy. And this, and this was all because a boy went, went for a walk with his dog. In the Christmas story that we so fondly read every year, we read about shepherds who were given the shock of their lives, a bit like those boys at the Lascaux Caves. Well, we're going to read that story now, so we're going to turn to Luke 2, if you would, with me, please. Verse 8, and we'll read to verse 18. That can come down now, Louise, if you, if, 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 if you don't mind. Thank you. So Luke 2, verses 8 to 18. And we'll read that now. Luke 2. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at, at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and had gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they, so they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby 
who was lying in the manger, when they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told about them, uh, them uh, told, sorry, been told them about this child, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. Amen. I would like to highlight three things from the story for you, to, for you to take away this Christmas. Think of them as my Christmas gifts to you. They're not as good as the kids' ones because they're not wrapped. But I would like you to think about them, ponder them, unwrap them yourselves in your own heads as you ponder the meaning of Christmas. So the three things that I want to say to you are, one, an ordinary evening, two, an outstanding surprise, and three, an obligatory proclamation. That's three O's, right? So ordinary evening, outstanding surprise, obligatory proclamation. I'll get to the last one at some point. So firstly, an ordinary evening. Well, on the surface of it, there's nothing particularly spectacular about the events surrounding Jesus' birth, the very first Christmas. In Luke's Gospel, we read about two very ordinary newlyweds who travel to a very ordinary Jewish town for a census, doing the very ordinary thing of forgetting to book accommodation. Come on, Joseph, all you had to do was go on booking.com. Mary, I thought you were doing that. How could I? I'm nine months pregnant. Look, don't pull that card on me. I've been driving the donkey the whole time. Might be a typical chat on the way back home for Christmas. But there was no pomp in the smelly common stable and having your first child without any fanfare, family, or celebration. Nothing more insignificant and undignified could you think of than the events of Christ coming into the world. And consequently, we read in chapter 2 that the first people to hear of the birth of the Son of God were humble shepherds. We read in verse 8, there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. Now, in the Middle East, I don't know if you guys probably know this, know, know, know this anyway, but in the Middle East where it's much warmer, you can spend the night in the field with the sheep and you would tend to have to because a lot more wild beasts, especially up, even up to this day. So there would be young men would take watches of the night, they'd split the night into three parts and they'd take watches of the night to make sure that wild dogs, wild wolves or beasts wouldn't kill their sheep it being their livelihood. And usually it was the teenagers or the young men, the less important members of the family, would look after the sheep. We think of one particularly famous young shepherd in the Old Testament. In 1 Samuel 16, 11, Samuel, the prophet, asks Jesse, the father of David, are these all the sons you have? He's gone through seven strapping young, young men. There is still the youngest, Jesse answered. He is tending the sheep. And that young shepherd became the king of Israel. So these young men who were in, in the field at, at night had no inc inc inclination that anything out of the ordinary was going to happen. They were just doing their jobs, mundane, unappreciated, in the daily grind of their lives. Does life ever feel like that to you some, sometimes? Just stuck in a rut, the daily grind, without any recognition, any change in the monotony? You may feel that way today about your spiritual life. If you're a Christian here today, you believe in Christ, and you feel your rhythm of following Christ is like the slow revolutions of a steam train wheel, just grinding forward, no spark. Well, don't be disheartened. Yes, life might, might be wearisome and repetitive, but Jesus came to show himself to those who are weary, who are ordinary, just like you and me. He does not reserve himself for the elite, those who've got it all together. 
He does not reject those who have a simple lot in life. In fact, as we saw in Luke 2, he made himself known to the poor and outcast first. He wants to break into and dwell within your ordinary life. He doesn't promise fireworks and prosperity, but he does promise reassurance and anxiety, joy in fear, and ultimately peace. In John 14, verse 27, Jesus himself says, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled, and do not be afraid. And with those words, we turn to our next point. So point number two, an outstanding surprise. So read again with me from verse eight, if you don't mind, from chapter two. There were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. Now this is an incredible scene. Um, If you don't know already, uh, Jill, Samuel, Rachel and myself have all moved house about a month and a half ago into the country, I mean, the real country, the middle of nowhere. Um, I mean, our neighbours are horses in a field. I I don't mean Patrick and Jan. I mean actual horses in a field. Although they are very nearby. They are very nearby. But at night time, it's truly dark. It's pitch black. The brightest lights around us are the stars twinkling their crisp winter sparkle through bitter black skies. But for those shepherds at the first Christmas, that darkness was pierced with a high-visibility LED beam in the form of an angel. It was like a firecracker went off around them. The glory of the Lord appeared to those startled young, unassuming men. Of course, it would make sense that their response would be fear. The angel had to say, don't be afraid. They had the shock of their lives. But why was the angel there? What could he possibly want with these common folk minding their own business? Well, the angel declares, I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You'll find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Now, even though the shepherds were ordinary people, probably not very well educated, this would not have been some common thing. They would not have misunderstood the implications of what was being said. The angel describes the baby as being born with three key words, Savior, Messiah, or Christ in some other translations, and Lord. So working back to front, he calls him Lord. This is the same idea as Yahweh, the name of the only true God of Israel. This baby, this one born in the manger, is God. Second, he calls him Messiah, or Christ, that is King. He is the promised king that would free his people and rule them justly forever out of the oppression of the Romans. Finally, the angel calls him savior, the one who would rescue them from their sin and depravity and to raise them to everlasting life. And the final little thing to cap it all off, 
This baby has been born in the town of David. I mentioned David before, the king of Israel, the most touted king there in their history. The town of David being Bethlehem. Fulfilling a prophecy in Micah, verse, Micah 5 verse 2. That the, that, the, that, that the Messiah will be born in Bethlehem. Now all these hints would be monumental for these Jewish men. They would, rec- they would recognize the magnitude of every single one of these statements. That their long-awaited king has finally arrived to save them. Is that true? If that is true, that is indeed the greatest news in all the world. What's the best news that you could receive this Christmas? Is it, that, is it that the governments of Israel, Palestine, Russia, and Ukraine have finally declared peace and put down arms? Is it that someone else offers to cook the dinner for you on Sunday or Monday? Is it that you're finally getting that air fryer you always wanted? Or that your crazy uncle's not coming to dinner this, this Christmas? Well, and imagine if the news that you received was that, was that the collective waiting of an entire nation was finally coming to an end. That would be earth-shattering news. And to try and reassure, them that this, that reassure the, the shepherds that, that, that this good news is true, a whole host of angels appear and begin singing praises to God, giving him glory and declaring peace to his people. Something phenomenal is going on, and the shepherds do not want to miss it. So we've had an ordinary evening, ruined by an outstanding surprise. So we move on to point three, an an obligatory proclamation. So verse 15, we read from verse 15. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. I love the story of Archimedes and his bath. Do you know about Archimedes and his bath? Yes. Good. <laughs> I'll tell it to you anyway. He was, a, he was a Greek mathematician who was tasked by the king to figure out whether there was impure gold in the crown without destroying it. But try as he might, he could not do it. Until one day, he sat in a public bath to clear his mind and noticed that as his body entered the bath, it displaced a uniform amount of water. A sudden flash of inspiration made him realize that that he could calculate the volume and therefore density of any object through water displacement. The story goes that he was so excited they jumped out the bath naked, yelling Eureka, and ran down the street to see the king. The shepherds, upon hearing and seeing this phenomenal sight in the field, are impelled, a bit like... Uh, Archimedes to jump up and go and see if, if what they've been told is true. And sure enough, they find the baby in a manger just as they were told. I, I just want to pause here because I think it's become very um, rom- romanticized and commonplace in our, in our Western church culture to see the baby in the manger and think it's a lovely glowing scene. That is not what would have been the case in first century uh, Middle East. It was anything but ordinary. Now I did say my first point was an ordinary evening, so we're now at an, an, an extraordinary point. But babies in mangers were not ordinary occurrences at all. It's like finding newborn Gracie wrapped up in newspaper and put in a barbecue pit by John. Could happen. But that, that, that is what it was like. It was completely irregular. There would have been no other such babies in Bethlehem that would have made the shepherds think, oh, 
could be a fluke, you know. It was too extraordinary to be a coincidence. So of course, the baby in the manger impels the shepherds to to declare that what they have seen and heard must be true. This little baby lying in a feeding trough amongst cow and sheep manure must be the son of God, the Messiah, the king who's come into the world. And the shepherds then go and make it known. As it says in verse 17, they spread the, the word and all who heard it were amazed. Jesus seems to have the effect on people. In John 4, a Samaritan woman that uh, Jesus speaks with, realizes that he is the son of God and says to her whole village, come and see a man who's told me everything that I ever did. Could this be the Messiah, the King? And we hear of other people that he's healed as well. Lepers, the lame, the blind, the the demon possessed who literally run, they literally run away to declare Jesus' work on their lives right after they've been healed or released. The effect that Jesus should have, that knowing Jesus should have on us, is to move us to obligatory proclamation. In our joy, we cannot keep this news hidden. In Matthew 13, 44 to 45, Jesus himself says, the, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again, and then in his joy, went and sold all he had and bought that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and bought it. There's little that can hold us back from declaring God's goodness when we've tasted it, and neither should there be. On that very first Christmas, simple shepherds were directed to the greatest treasure that they, in fact, the whole world, would ever know. They responded with faith and joy reflecting the joy of the angels that sang over them words of praise and adoration for God giving himself to the world at that very first Christmas. So we've got our three O's, ordinary evening, outstanding surprise, obligatory proclamation. If you're here this morning looking into Christian things, if you're visiting or if you're a friend or a relative brought you, then take this as your angels in the field moment. It might come as a surprise to you, you weren't expecting it, but I promise it's the best surprise that you'll ever receive. Better than that new iPhone for Christmas? The news that the Son of God took the form of a helpless baby in order that he might live a life to die on our behalf and take our punishment that we all deserve, that is life-changing. Like the shepherds, it is worth running to find out more, so please don't wait. Some of you may think, I'm nobody. God wouldn't want me. At Christmas, it's true, many people do experience depths of loneliness and depression rather than the twinkly joy of fairy lights. But instead of putting up false fronts, Jesus goes, he breaks through those fronts and goes to the ordinary, the broken, the outcast and tells them to come to him. Only he can provide the rescue, the love, the kindness, and the joy that will last forever. And he offers it to everyone, no exceptions. And finally, for those of us who've tasted the goodness of God this Christmas, what are we waiting for? A baby born in a stable 2,000 years ago has changed the course of history and has given us hope for eternal life with God. So let us, to this Christmas, Spread the words of the angels 
Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth. Peace to those on whom his favour rests. Amen. Thank you for listening to this Castlereagh Fellowship podcast. For more podcasts, Bible teaching videos, and to see what's going on at the church, please visit our website, castlereaghfellowship.com. God bless.